0: Be back uh, here. Um, I believe I was here the last time. Pastor Donnie invited me, and uh, continued to pray for him. Um, he brought me to the sports university. Went around, and uh, uh, South Africa is really committed to sports, um, and uh, I could see that. And uh, um, and so I'm glad to be uh, here with you at this season, pastors. Philip invited me for a Zoom meeting for the, uh, for the Connect Group leaders uh, for 20 uh, Connect Group leaders, and then he came back to me and says, uh, can I just fly you over? And I says, I got meetings. He says, no, uh, set aside those meetings and come. <laughs> it's like he was challenging our friendship, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, so, uh, so I, I accepted the challenge, I moved all my meetings, and uh, um, I'm here today, and I invited uh, two more of us—one uh, senior pastor in one of the congregation in Manila, and one youth pastor who uh, are preaching somewhere this morning. And I'm glad to be here with you. And uh, I have uh, with me uh, just—it uh, w- it was amazing that I, I got—I got to meet the pastors uh, last Friday, and yesterday we had our conference uh, with our Connect group leaders, and some of you were there and. And, um, but uh, really, just the uh, heart uh, to make disciples is really important for the church to, um, to do that. And uh, I have been, as what uh, I was saying, Pastor Rudo, that uh, I have been a second man to Pastor Steve, and I've been with him uh, for decades in leading uh, the church, uh, leading the service. I, I mentioned that... Uh, um, He would preach, and and after the sermon, he'll give me the mic so I can make an altar call. So I'm the resident evangelist, (laughs) and so. uh, But when he's away, I stay home and I and I experiment while he's away, and experiment on discipleship, on small groups, on uh, even victory weekend. Uh, uh, You know, it was just a gathering of people, but uh, um, that's one good thing about being a homeboy. You get to experiment while well, the cut is away. Um, and so uh, I, am, I am a church person. My heart goes out to the pastors. And uh, I really appreciate the guts of the pastors to be preaching every week. Could you imagine 52 weeks in a year, a preaching sermons, one sermon every Sunday? And I mean, your, your humor, your joke on a Sunday cannot be repeated next Sunday. It's, that's tough. I mean, that's tough. So I'd, I'd rather stay to be, be an evangelist and stay on that uh, lane. But um, today, I'd like to highlight, since we just had our discipleship conference, I'd like to highlight the profile of a disciple. What is a disciple all about? And uh, the scripture has lots of metaphors to describe a believer, a follower of Jesus. Um, uh, Paul described the believe. Uh, one of the metaphors he used is that uh, basically he used the um, metaphor of uh, of a, a letter from Christ. We are like living letters in First Corinthians uh, chapter three. Uh, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written in our hearts. That's a picture of a believer, um, and 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 that's very. Uh, very uh, important, that we are living billboards. Um, but, you know, I'm sharing this because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to describe believers. Uh, um, you know, sometimes, kind of like Forrest Gump uh, opening the box of chocolate. And he says, life is like a box of chocolate. You just don't know what's, what's in it or something to that effect. <laughs> you just don't know what you're going to get. And sometimes, even Christians, uh, you can't even describe Christians in the world, or believers, or so some of them, you know, you go to different nations, and, and it's like, oh, are they? Uh, is this what Christianity is all about? But but Paul says you are letters, you're living letters, you're you're uh, like a billboard. In the Philippines, if you visit the Philippines, in our highways, there, in our city, in Metro Manila, there are huge, uh, huge uh, billboards. Um, I don't get to see much here; uh, it's so pristine here, uh, in your place. Um, but in there, it's just so much uh, um, advertisement pollution, you know, in, in Manila. It's like so many billboards all over the place. And, 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 and Jesus, and, and Paul says we're leaving letters that people get to read uh, everywhere you go. Uh, people are watching you and seeing you. Uh, Jesus himself uh, um, made, a, uh, made a metaphor about Christians. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are, you are the light the light of the world. Those are the pictures given, but I'd like to focus on Johannine uh, metaphors or descriptions of Christians according to John, and there are three that I've discovered in this this passage of Scripture, and we're going to read each of them uh, right now. In fact, I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 8, starting in uh, 31, and we're going to read this passage of Scripture. Now, And I'd like you all to stand in in, in reverence to his word as we read these uh, several verses. Let's all stand. John chapter 8, starting in 31, and it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Take notice of that. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Let's turn to chapter uh, chapter uh, 13, verse uh, 30, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By all people, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if, you have love one another. Let's let's go to chapter fifteen, just a page away, in verse um, uh, chapter fifteen, and uh, we see in verse uh, verse eight, and it says there, verse eight, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my what disciples. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Let us pray. Father God, today, this morning, we pray, Lord God, that we will be able to fit the profile of a follower of Christ. May each and every one of us in this place, brown like me, colored, black or white, may we all fit to that one profile of a disciple of Christ according to to Apostle John. We leave up to you the preaching of the word. Prepare our hearts to receive. That's our hearts Holy Spirit. In Jesus name we pray and everybody say amen. amen. Go ahead and take your seats. There are three Johannine descriptions of a disciple of Christ. We have read the verses but the first one we like God's Word. Usually, a follower of Jesus is a person who really likes God's Word and the Bible, the Word of God, and and that's very important. That's what makes us um, uh, Christians, followers of Jesus, His Word. Um, They made a study in church history about the Christians in church history, one common denominator, whether uh, you are a group of Christians under a tree in the middle of Timbuktu or a Christian somewhere in California in a, a, in a crystal cathedral. There's one common denominator. Uh, they mention around four or five. But one of them is the belief on the word of God. That truly these are Christians, besides communion. uh, I don't know how they would do communion under a tree somewhere in the middle of Africa. But that has been uh, some of the common denominators of all the believers across the globe, all throughout church history. The belief in the word of God. One of them is even the belief of being connected to the Israelites, apparently. Um, And the belief of the coming of Christ again. Those are the few common denominators all throughout church history without any, you know, seeing each other around the globe. And they had this one, this uh, set of, of, of common denominators, and one of them is the belief in the Word of God. And, and uh, uh, you know, and it, that is what uh, the scripture, uh, I, like, I like the scripture here that says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed. Now we're talking about the Jews who used to be uh, in Judaism. Now they met Jesus. They have become believers of Jesus. We're talking about the Jews. And now they have believed in him. And Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, and you will know the truth. In verse, in verse, um, in uh, chapter 15, he kind of wor- used the word. Uh, in, in chapter 15, seven, uh, verse five, it says that if you, uh, if you abide in me, and I in you, then, uh, then you know that's 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 the picture of. Uh, a uh, uh, being fruitful person if i if 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 he says if i abide if you abide in me and i in you but in verse 7 if you abide in me and my words abide in you he the person of jesus was mentioned in verse 5 but in verse 7 my words abide in you so his word and his personality is at least from john it's one in the same his word Knowing his word is knowing who this person behind the word. And so that is uh, an important uh, ingredient. If you are really a, f- uh, a, a, a disciple, then you uh, have that passion for his word. And that is very crucial. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And um, verse 28 uh, in, in, chap- in John chapter 8 as well. I want to look at that right now. It says, so Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. You will know that I am He. The word you will know was mentioned in 28. But in verse, in verse uh, 32, you will know the truth. So the truth and Him is one and the same. Once again, it was, um, uh, it's, uh, uh, there's an ex, uh, uh, interchange in these words. The truth, His word. And Jesus is almost, like, uh, almost like one in the same as John had presented it. And so if you dwell, if you abide in me, he said, uh, dwell on my word or abide in my word, presupposes that we have in fact believed him. We, we in fact were followers of him. And so then you're truly my disciples. You are truly my disciples. And so if a person says, "I, I, uh, you know, I follow Jesus, uh, but he's not into His Word," then uh, it's, just, uh, it's just a it's just waste, a wasted, wasted uh, declaration. And uh, let it be seen in our lives. I grew up seeing my grandmother reading her Bible when I was in high school. I would go before going to school. I see her reading her Bible. When I come back in the afternoon, I see her reading her reading her Bible uh, as as well. And I said, you know what? When I grow old like my grandmother, I'm going to be reading my Bible as well. Well, when I turned 18, I caught myself reading my Bible. Then I realized that when I turned 18, I came to know Christ. And then I started reading my Bible. Then I remembered that vow I made when, when I was in high school. and said, wow, now I'm, I'm not even 80 yet. I'm 18. <laughs> I'm reading my Bible. It was amazing. My, mother, my grandmother, um, I've seen the, the example of my grandmother, and I've seen the example of my mother reading her Bible. And in fact, when I came to know Christ, my, grandma, my mother was worried about me. I was supposed to be a civil engineering student. When I went back to my province and came to know Christ at the age of 18, I decided to read my Bible during my first um, Christmas as a Christian. So I decided to read my entire Bible why? Because my engineering classmates couldn't believe that I'm a Christian because their test of whether I'm a Christian or not or whether I really have become a follower of Jesus is if I have read the entire Bible. In fact, I was sharing to my classmate one time, and and before I'm, he interrupted me and he says, have you read the entire Bible? I said, no, not yet, but it's in there. I said, uh, you know, don't talk to me. So that was, I was 18 years old. My first, you know, entering uh, Christmas during that time in 1984. So I got so challenged. I went back home and decided to read my entire Bible that Christmas season, Christmas break. And read my Bible from morning till evening. Every day. From Genesis to Revelation in 1984. My father was uh, was so worried that I'm losing my mind. Instead of me going out with my friends in the province, I was in the room reading my Bible. The sun is setting, and I'm still reading my Bible. I didn't even have time to open the lights. Tears are already falling on my eyes while, you know, reading my Bible. And, and my father was so worried, entered into the room and says, son, would you want to go out? I said, uh, oh, uh, uh. then I knew, I knew something is weird because I've been reading my Bible for that week. And then he said, why don't you go out, son? Go with June. Go with June. Don't you drink beer? Go out, son, and drink beer with June. And I was thinking in the back of my head, you should have said that last year. (laughs) And so, (laughs) not really, but, but I was just, you know, I mean, I see the enemy is really trying to tempt me. I mean... They, he was the one who told me not, in, not to get into alcohol, but now he's telling me to get into it. Maybe he wanted an alcoholic son better than a disciple of Christ. I don't know. But that was such a, an experience. January came in 1985. As soon as I entered my university again, January, I, sh- I thought sharing my faith to my classmate. And I was sharing my my faith to my classmate. And my classmate asked the classic question. Have you read the entire Bible yet? And this time I look look back at him with a smile on my face. I took time, you know. I took my time before telling him the truth. In fact, I just finished reading my Bible last week. (laughs) And so um, it's just a... I'm, I'm so uh, encouraged to have seen it from my grandmother, from my mother. And then I got discipled and, and started reading my Bible. And, uh, you know, this is, a, this is an ugly Bible. I got an uglier one, but I lost it uh, because one time I was in a hurry. My, I, I got notes in my Bible. I, 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 I write on my Bible. One time, I I had coffee, and I had my Bible. Before entering the car, I couldn't. So I put my Bible on top of the car, and then went in and got my coffee there, closed the door, and started driving. Then lo and behold, I lost my Bible. I said, oh, boy, I lost my Bible. Uh, So I have to go get the Bible again. We used to use NIV, New International Version, for almost two decades. And then we switched to ESV. So I was in the U.S. And when, when, uh, when I was in the U.S., I went to this Christian bookstore, and, uh, and, uh, and I went in there, and uh, I asked the guy in the Christian bookstore, I says, uh, what's your most expensive ESV Bible? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Come, let me show you. And he showed me this. The leather is, I don't know if the leather came from South Africa, I don't know, but but, uh, but he showed me this is our most expensive. The other one had been bought already, and this is our most expensive. How much is that? Uh, well, during that time, I think it was 200 dollars. So the, OK, then, uh, that's, that's mine. My other friend went in there and asked a question and says, "What's your cheapest Bible, discounted Bible you have?" And so the, the guy gave him the cheapest and the, it's already 10 dollars, but because it was returned, now it is five dollars. So we're lining up, and the guy says, "It used to be 10, 15 dollars. now it's five dollars." And so he was happy he got this Bible. I got my, I got my uh, discounted Bible. And then I, I was the next person, and I said, "I'm sure you're gonna put, you' going to put you're going to give me a discount with this Bible. No, sir, sorry, there's no discount for that one." So I got my, the most expensive Bible, at least that, was that 10 years ago, in, that Christian, in the Christian bookstore? Why am I looking for the most expensive Bible in that Christian bookstore? Because if I spend money on that Bible, I know I'm going to read it. I know I'm going to read it. Every page of that Bible. And I've been reading this Bible ever since. I'd like to encourage you. Read your Bible daily. Get a notebook. I even bought a, a Japanese notebook, Pastor Rudo, A Japanese no- notebook where it's 360. Uh, so, it, so you can fold it like that. And I bought it in a Japanese boutique store. And I'm not sharing with you where I bought it because, you know. And so I, I had this notebook. I, I, I bought uh, maybe 10 pieces of this. And they have a stock in the house. Why? Because every time I read my Bible every day, I got my notebook on the side and my pen. And I let God speak to me. Before, I would read my Bible three to four times uh, a day. Three, th- three or four chapters a day. And... Uh, that's amazing. If you read your Bible three to four chapters a day, you'll finish the entire Bible in a year. The Book of Psalms twice. All right. So read read your Bible. Me, today I read six to eight verses every day. Um, I during lockdown I went through the letters of Apostle Paul. It was amazing until I reached until I reached Revelation, and I was wondering. I'm a bishop already, and I dread going having devotion. In the book of Revelation. So I, said, I, was, I was reading the book of Revelation, and I kind of cheat sometimes. I, you know, I don't just read it. I go check a commentary on the side, you know, just to find out who is this 666, you know. So, um, and so I would and so find out, ooh, uh, we're talking about the Roman Empire here. Oh, the, the dragon. Oh, who is this dragon? So I kind of look at other During my devotion, I'm going to look for, look for, I'm not supposed to read commentaries in our devotions. But I have to do that in Revelation. When I, I was done with Revelation, I got so kind of challenged. And so I said, Lord, this time, I want, I want the devotional type uh, chapters this time, Lord. So I went Psalms. I'm still in Psalms right now. One, Psalm 106. Why am I sharing this to us? May we be men and women of the word. Let your Bible be the ugliest Bible in your home. Get that Bible. If your husband and wife don't share each other's Bible, don't share one Bible. Get your own Bible. I see, you know, during lockdown, there's this one special place where my wife and I, will. depends on who would wake up first. And we really love that place. It's a veranda. You can't get out. We're on a lockdown. So, you know, whoever wakes up early will get that place. Special place in the veranda. Please be a man or a woman of the word. That's the first uh, description of a Christian, of a follower of Christ. Second is we love one another. We love one another. Um, first one, we like the word of God. Second, we love one another. Verse 20, 34 of chapter 13, he says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another, and by this, I want you to watch this verse. By this, all people will know. In our terms today, it's almost like saying it will become viral. But during this time, it says, All people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, if you love one another, people will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And that's amazing. The word love one another in these two verses were mentioned three times. Love one another. You know how Christianity grew. There were no social media then. There was no mass media, no radio, no broadcast, no print, no social, no Facebook. During the time, right after the time of Jesus. No modern technology during that time. And yet he says, the world will know that you are my disciples. How did they do it? How did the church uh, uh, grow that fast? No influential members. They didn't have, you know, special like this or special. Uh, There were a few, like in the family of Caesar and so on and so forth. But these were just regular folks who came to know uh, Christ. Not... They they weren't welcome in society. Christians weren't welcome in society. In fact, they were persecuted most of the time, right after the time of Jesus. But how did they grow as as Christians as far as a community of Christians? Relentless persecutions. No buildings during that time. They only meet in homes. Acts 20.20 says they meet in the temple courts and from house to house house to house those are the their uh, the living room and different homes were actually the, the their church no buildings yet no you know no high school auditorium like this in fact they've discovered uh, uh, uh the first ever church in, in 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 church history uh was found in in two hundred fifty uh, a d um and they called it and they called it uh, and, and they found it in Dura Europos on the Euphrates, dating 231 AD. Sorry, 231 AD. Uh, so we're talking about uh, almost 300 years, the first 300 years of no church building. They only meet in homes, temple courts, and in homes. And yet the church grew. You can Google it if you want and, and, and Google it and find out how the church, you know, the, the, the statistics of church per. 50 years, and you would see the growth in, two, in, almost, in 300 A.D., 330 A.D., um, the church grew up to 33 million before the time of Constantine, before he passed the law, the edict of making Christianity as a, as a, as a, as a, as a common religion during that time. Um, but before that, there were around 33 million Christians already across, across the globe. Why was it? What happened here? Um, a certain emperor by the name of Hadrian, Hadrian, um, by the name of Hadrian, he, is, uh, he was uh, Hadrian Caesar, that was his name. He gave, he gave a task to Aristides, uh, a, a philosopher and researcher, and he has given him a task to study a certain group of people in a certain part of their nation at that time, and, and his, his, his assignment is to study about these different groups. But one of them is this weird group of Christians. And he made the study and gave a report back to Hadrian Caesar. And he came up with a long uh, uh, result of the research. But let me use an excerpt of that report. Can I do that today? And it's, this is what he said. Regarding this weird group of Followers of Christ. And this is what he said. They walk in humility and kindness. And falsehood is not found among them. And behold, they love one another. Behold how they love one another. That was his description of the Christians. This weird group of Christians during that time. And that study was done in 125 A.D. 125 A.D. by Aristides, given a task by Hadrian Caesar. What an amazing picture. There was a siege in the Philippines, one city, a Muslim city in Mindanao. Uh, uh, the, the radicals um, uh, took over uh, that city in, in the Philippines. Um, almost like it's a training ground for those uh, who, uh, who did the... Uh, the, the problem in, in, in 9-11 in New York, and they had their training ground somewhere there, and this city has been accommodating these terrorists, and the, these terrorists decided to take over the city, and when they did that, the, the, the citizens, uh, the people in the city started uh, running away from, they call it Marawi, and uh, they, they started running away, and some of them went to a certain village led by a chieftain, a datu, we call it datu, a chieftain, a Muslim chieftain. And as soon as they reached the place, they found refuge there. You know who's the first group of people who came? Some of our folks. Some of our regular folks. They, they went there from the surrounding Every Nation churches, or some from Manila. We helped through finances, and the, 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 the surrounding Every Nation churches there organized themselves. Uh, Every Nation churches means victory to us. So what happened was there was this picture. I, wanna, I want you to look at this picture. And they, they didn't even ask permission. They had this poster that says, we are Christians. We love Muslims. Victory Philippines. They even put Victory Philippines. I was wondering who made the decision to put the name there, Victory Philippines. Is he thinking? Is he, is he inviting persecution? I was thinking, you know, I'm one of the bishops. So I was kind of, you know, worried about that. But the datu is somewhere in the middle, the one with the hat. And this is what he said. First, he said, you guys are the first people who came here to help us. And then he said, when he saw the poster, he says, I hope someday we can say we are Muslims and we love Christians. That's what he said. That's what he said. These people had the audacity to introduce themselves. Not those guys who would come and say, who are you? Uh, we're kind of, you know, hiding themselves. No, they said, we're Christians. And we love Muslims. And we were able to make an impact. Now we have a work in Marawi. I am the, I'm the, I'm the um, chairman of Real Life Foundation. We give free scholarship to poor kids to enter college. As long as you have 88, uh, 88 a percentile in your grade and uh, your family's poor, you can qualify to become a scholar in real life foundation. That's our social responsibility in the Philippines. And so I'm the, I'm the chairman of the board. And uh, and what we did is we opened it to the Muslim community in the city in Marawi when the government starting to revive the, the city. And so and then we offered some scholarship and Muslim families, their children, they were rejoicing. We even gave uh, Uh, laptops to the students during the lockdown because they couldn't do, they couldn't study. Remember the students, they have to go through and scholars were given laptops and and the families in poor families in that Marawi city were so glad uh, Christians are are doing this. I'm just sharing this to you to let you know that, uh, you know, how can we tell the world that we're Christians if we love one another? I will repeat what I said yesterday and I would say it in a, in, a, in a more gracious way. Jude, we were in the car, and he was explaining. And I was asking him. I said, Jude, how did you overcome the hatred in your heart? How did you overcome the cultural hatred? And uh, Jude is, is uh, uh, he just was so honest. and says, I came to a point in my life, Pastor. He said that I realized that I'm a Christian First. Second, a black man. When he said that, it was such an amazing declaration that came to his heart that changed his life forever. It's just a simple thought. I'm a Christian first. Second colored or second white, whatever it may be. I guess it's the same way with me. I'm a Christian first. Second, a Filipino. Second, a Filipino. And when we start embracing and loving one another... When I see when I see you loving one another in the church, when I see you expressing that love, we even have so. Anyways, but I don't know if I can go beyond this uh, conversation because I'm not I'm not from here. I don't really know much about your culture. But one thing I know, we are called to love one another. Some of you are so expressive. Some of you are very very expressive in, in your in your strength finder. Uh, you're very relational. Some of you are kind of like me. It's 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 all in my the bottom of my list. <laughs> I only have one relational uh, relator, but the rest are at the bottom. And sometimes I command my daughter growing up. I command her. I tell her, come here, hug daddy. Because in my mind, she needs it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very strategic, you know. <laughs> but relationally, kind of, you know. You know kind of challenge there, but I command, I'm command, so, and self-assurance, Elizabeth, come here, hug daddy, so we hug, you, you know, you, you know I love you, right, you know, you're daddy's girl, remember that, you're daddy's girl, but that's my expression of my, you know, the way I relate, but uh, I'm not a mushy type, that's the bottom of my list, but let me tell you this, I don't care what Disposition, natural disposition you have, but there's one common thing that the Lord has asked us to do, a command, love one another. It's not even a suggestion. It's a command. Are you a follower of Christ? Love one another. Whatever color of his skin, whatever economic background that person has, love one another. The next one, and I'm going to end with this. I hope I still have more time. And please, if you can show the time. Uh, The third one is, we live fruitful lives. We live fruitful lives. Verse 8 of chapter 15 says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and you prove to be my disciple. John knew exactly how to highlight what a disciple is all about. You should be loving the word, loving one another, and bearing fruit. Should that happen, then you are truly my disciple, Jesus says. In red letters, you are truly my disciples. What is fruit? When the scripture says fruit, when you bear fruit, you are truly my disciples. It's almost like using an agricultural metaphor. It's like your trees or plants or whatever it may be. But he says, you know, the Lord says, I'm the, I'm the vine, you're the branches. My father is the gardener. It's just an illustration to drive a point. What was the point? The point was that he wanted believers who are connected to the vine to be bearing fruit. If you're bearing fruit, you'll be pruned. They're still cutting. If you're not bearing fruit, you'll be cut off. You have a choice. Would you want to cut, be cut clean or cut off? But cutting is inevitable. So don't give me this, oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing great. Yeah, but there are challenges in life. You be cut clean in order for you to bear more fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, you be cut off. And that was the picture given here. And fruits in the Bible had different meanings. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it's about character. It says, These qualities are yours and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the way we carry ourselves, in our character, that's a picture of fruit. The other one is in communal ministry. Titus chapter 3 verse 14. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. That's the entire summary of the book of Titus. That wanting the people to be fruitful in their career, in their ministries, a lot of people there are laid back and they're not bearing fruit at all. But the Apostle Paul says, look, you got to be productive. Um, And so that's amazing in our community. I I saw, I was yesterday in our conference, I saw a a manual there, social responsibility uh, being taught in in every nation here. And it was a thick uh, manual. And I said, oh, I, can I have a copy? So I stole one of them. No, I asked permission. Um, and then put it in my bag. I'm going to read it when I get back uh, to the Philippines. You guys are serious about social responsibilities. I, I want to commend you for loving your communities. God bless you. You are an example to us. Thank you so much for doing that. The other, the other uh, description of... of uh, of, uh, of fruit is in Philippians chapter 4, 17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Is his way of saying, thank you for the monetary gift you have given me. In other words, fruit means being generous. May our church here be known as a generous church. I was talking with Pastor Rudow and this morning, and he was telling me about his... Transportation. Someone just blessed him. He was so shocked. He couldn't drive it for two weeks. And I said, wow, really? Well, guess what? Someday you're going to be giving cars. He says, I've already given two. <coughs> We're talking about this is, this is my church where people are generous. That's a sign of fruitfulness. The other one is in our words, divine praise. And in Hebrews chapter 13, 15, through him, let uh, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledges his name. That's the fruit of our lips. You don't need lip loss for that. I realize you need lip loss. Not lipstick. Lip loss in South Africa. We don't need that in the Philippines. But anyways, the fruit of your lips, our praise, our singing, is, a, is called fruit. And the last one, I want you to remember Romans chapter 1 verse 13. Do not want you, I do not want you to be unaware brothers that I have often intended to come to you. But thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvests among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. What was Paul talking here? Souls. Today, if you want to say I'm a follower of Jesus The the proof of this, that you are a follower of Jesus, is you bear fruit. What kind of fruit? Besides character, besides generosity, besides the fruit of our lives, is lost people that we are reaching. Uh, Souls that we are praying for. That we are discipling in our connect groups. And when we do that, we put a smile on Jesus' face. When the disciples were so excited that the demons were submitting to them. They came and gave a report. And Jesus says, do not be excited that demons are submitting to you. Be excited that your names are written in heaven. And then that same hour, he he probably turned around and had his own altar altar ministry in the corner. And the scripture says, and Jesus and he rejoiced that he was given these children who are doing the works of the ministry. Apparently, what they have been doing, ministering and discipling, is putting a smile on. On Jesus' face. Continue to bear fruit, folks. For the glory of God. I say this as we end. A disciple of Christ ensures obedience to his word. Enjoys fellowship with his church. Endeavors to connect other people to him through the gospel. I want the music team to come and help me uh, in this uh, this part. We're going to sing that song again, Waymaker. Uh, I I was asking them if we could sing that song we sang yesterday with... uh, you know, African song and, uh, with that English background at the bottom. I mean, the, the three of us, the Filipinos, were trying to read it and, and sing it. And we were teary-eyed. It was, we were having goosebumps, you know, singing that song. And I thought we we're going to sing it today. He says, oh, we're not sing- oh, okay, no problem. But we're going to sing this song. Let's all stand as we sing this song today. Father God, thank you for these men and women who are here. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to know a profile of a believer. We realize, Lord, that that a believer, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their economic background, regardless of their nationality, regardless of their language uh, barrier or, or dialect, regardless of our backgrounds, regardless of our last names, Lord God, you have already identified, at least according to John, what a follower of Jesus is, what a believer should look like. The profile of a disciple is someone who is into his word. Who keeps his word. Who dwells in his word. Meditates on his word. Someone who loves one another. I mean, person who would extend a love for one another. Avoiding hatred and bitterness forming in our hearts. Some of us here, we couldn't express love because of bitterness, Lord. Unforgiveness. Lord, I pray help us learn how to forgive. Lord God, we, uh, Lord God, we, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we can't hide when there's bitterness in our hearts. We may go to any place in the world, that bitterness will still be there. Lord God, no changing of geographic location will not change the bitterness in our hearts, Lord. It is putting it on the altar and say, Lord Jesus, help me to forgive. Help, help me to get rid of this hatred in my heart. Some of you right now are battling with that relationally. Some, some of the people, you, are, are your loved ones or, or something like that. But today, let that healing come forth. But before that, we set aside that hatred. If that's you and you're battling in that area, put your, ha- your hand on your chest. And la- I want to pray for you right now. If you're battling in that area of, of relating with uh, parents maybe or those who have been persecuting you. Lord, we pray for some of the people who are here. They're putting their hand on their chest. They're saying, Lord God, I don't want this bitterness. I don't want this hatred in my heart. I pray that you release me today in the name of Jesus. Let love, Lord, hatred and and hatred and love cannot stay in the same heart. It's either a, Lord, so Lord, we choose love, not hatred. So Lord, today, fill our hearts afresh with the love of Jesus. The reason why we can love one another. Is because you loved us first. And you shed abroad the love in our hearts. And because of that, Lord, we can love you back. And we can love the unlovable. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I want you all to raise your hands. Father God, right now, we pray for each one to become fruitful in all aspects. May it be in character. May it be in generosity. May it be in our, through our lips in praising you. May it be through Lord, other things, but Lord, more than anything else, being fruitful in reaching out to lost people, Father God, discipling others. Lord, may each and every one of us be able to influence others to stay, to get closer to Jesus at least an inch at a time, Lord God. Lord, help us assist people to come to Christ on a daily basis. Help us to become fruitful, Lord. Help us to become fruitful. Lord, we know signs and wonders will follow us, but Lord God, there's nothing like seeing somebody cross the line of faith to follow you. There's nothing like seeing them come and worship you. Lord, help us be, Lord, help us to be your instruments to help people come to Christ. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. You are our way maker. Let's just sing this song right